Podcraft. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Preble Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode. Is stress affecting your relationships? And a lot of you are nodding. Of course it does. So I have a conversation with a dear friend of mine and colleague, Corey Costanzo, who has also been on the show. And Corey is a licensed addiction counselor. He is a somatic therapist, a certified Eslim massage practitioner, and he is also co-owner of Still Point Wellness. And those of you who know Still Point Wellness, listen to my show, one of my sponsors. It's definitely a place to go to de-stress. It's my go-to place whether it's a Esalen massage or the salt water flow tank, where you're just floating on top of 1,500 pounds of Epsom salt water solution with no efforting, totally supported. When I come out of the tank, I feel like I've just had an incredible massage. So treat yourself to a place that will take you away from your stresses of everyday life and your anxieties. You can contact them at stillpointwell.com. Mention the code PREPO to get 10% off your first float or your first Esla massage. That's a good place to go and to de-stress. And we're going to talk about other things to de-stress with relationships. Really understanding and being aware of where and what is happening in your body. Because that's where the stress lies. Even though it's in a thought process, it's held in the body. So Corey and I have conversations about where to look at and what to do in the body to de-stress it. We also have a conversation about that it's not a luxury to take care of yourself in these ways. It's a necessity because it affects all of our relationships in many ways. It affects our parenting. It affects our primary relationships. So one of the best things that we can do for our relationship is to take care of our own stress. And that way we're going to be present with other people's stress and not get stressed out and they're stressed. So we have this conversation that I think is valuable for people to put focus on and understand how vital it is to be able to take care and de-stress ourselves. Enjoy the conversation. Here we go. We get to have another rapping session with my dear friend and colleague, Corey Costanzo. Those of you that listen to a few of the past podcasts know that we have a real good rapport with each other. And one reason is because we love each other in our friendship and our collegiate relationship. So thanks again, brother, for coming on the show. Ditto to that. Mm. I love you too, man. So we were talking about subjects that we always talk about with each other and I wanted to put it on this podcast and that's talking about stress and anxiety and how that affects relationships of course and what we can do within the relationship for ourselves and in conjunction with our partner to work to de-stress things around us including aspects that come up in the relationship because the work that you do as a somatic therapist and trauma therapist and addiction therapist you working with people's stress levels all the time. That's right. And let me let me start by saying that 
I have a very intimate relationship with stress and anxiety. I've woken up with anxiety mostly every day that I can remember for my entire life. So it just so happens that it doesn't cause me any suffering anymore most days. And I've done a lot of work and a lot of exploration and looking at ways to beat the anxiety or not let it get in the way of my wellness goals and my relationship and my relationship with my kids and with my wife and with myself and with my employees and business and friends. So I'm excited to talk about this, this topic. We're talking about something that you've been working on for a long time that I'm imagining at times not 100% success, but you did try many things in order to see what really resonated with you to make it your own. That's right. So that's what we're going to be throwing out to people today. You can try these things out. You can see if it resonates with you. Give it a go. Give it some time to see how it might shape and shift aspects of how you relate to your stress by some of these tools and techniques. What do you want to say about stress in the body? To me, that's really important that people understand that we use this mental concept of stress. I got financial stress. Oh, there's something coming up where there's a lot of things going on in work and I have deadlines. But the microscopic truth of that is there's stuff that's going on in the body that we need to address. Yeah, namely tension. For me, it's in my belly. And when I'm feeling stressed out, my belly gets really tight. Science tells us that when we're stressed out, cortisol gets released from our hypothalamus and pituitary glands. It mobilizes us to action through the sympathetic nervous system, or it does the exact opposite. It stops us dead in our tracks. So the flight, fight, or freeze response is a real thing. It's measured and it's written about in most of popular psychology and popular science all over the place. You'll hear it. Stress gets locked or hardwired into different patterns of thinking and sensation in the body. And, you know, the next time anybody feels stressed out, if you can take a moment and just check into your body, use your mind as if it were a flashlight and just hover your awareness in your body, you might notice some different places where you're feeling tense and tight. You're feeling the stress. And one technique that I use, very simple technique, is just to send breath to those areas of the body. So it's also noticing, noticing what's going on in the body with that. That's so important. First, we have to actually locate it within the body to actually send the breath there. So that's really key, I think, for people is to first be curious. Where is this sensation in my body? You say you go straight to the belly. I know sometimes for stress... I can also feel it in the aspect of I, I hold my buttocks, I'm a buttocks holder, and I hold in my shoulders, the shoulds, the burdens that I hold. So I know for me, those are kind of go-to places that I know I'm going to check first. That's right. So it starts with awareness, and I think that's why yoga and meditation and mindfulness is so incredibly popular right now because it creates that foundation of awareness. And that's the first step to unlocking the door so that stress and anxiety doesn't have to be suffering. It's like unlocking the box. Okay, I can step out of the box now. I can 
observe what's happening in my inner experience. And then what it does is gives rise to choices. So if I don't do that, I'm less likely to have choice about my present moment. When that awareness comes, I know in a conflict with, with couples, I know when I have a conflict with my wife, if I can actually name that that's coming up, saying, you know what, I'm feeling really stressed about this and I'm actually feeling it right now in my chest and I can feel it tightening and tingling. One thing that it does, it, imperson- it, it impersonalizes the stress in some way because it's, it's globalized. It's now in my body. It's not between us. And I think that just naming that, even then sensation in the body while I'm in conflict with somebody, one, it lets the person know that I have a certain level of awareness that I'm trying to regulate. Two, I'm depersonalizing it in between us, and I'm trying to own that. And I think that's a, that's a wonderful technique to get out of the blame and the story and he said, she said stuff. That's right. Mm-hmm. And what a wonderful thing to be able to give your partner is some space so that they could manage their own stress and manage their own anxiety. So even in conflict, if I raise the white flag and I say, hey, listen, sweetie, right now I'm feeling a lot of anxiety. I really don't feel like this is the right time to talk about this. I need a pause. I need to take a walk around the block. I need to take a bath. I need to do some exercise. or I need to do some meditation or just deep breathing, whatever it might be. I need to eat. That pause is so important. That's that sacred pause, which means that we're trying to gain our strength. We're going to pause in order to find our balance. And uh, many people, when they take that pause, they actually ramp up. You know, they ruminate and they ramp up. They don't use it to to self-soothe some of the things that you were just saying. And, you know, I I love just putting my hand on my chest, my hand on my my stomach when I'm feeling that, going in, in the other room, maybe splashing some water on my face. Something to do physically instead of trying to rationalize my stress to come down. Yeah. And if you can manage to get some mindful breaths in there, Mm. now you're talking about releasing endorphins. Now you're talking about reversing the cycle of cortisol release, coming down to a place of grounded, centered, balanced, and then compassion can start to happen. Because it all starts with the breath and that, you know, the meditators use it to stay present. I've heard my grandmother say it over and out, count to 10, honey. Count to 10, you know, take those 10 breaths. And I don't think we use it enough to just take that breath. I know even before somebody asks me, how am I? If I take a breath before that and then answer it, I'm answering it from a much more truthful space than taking a shallow breath and just responses come out. So shallow breath is reactionary. Deep breaths are more authentic responses. That's right. And when we're stressed out, We're shallow breathing. We're breathing fast. And it's a biological adaptation for survival. We feel the stress. Our heart starts beating really fast so that we can escape the danger. So we can flip that by taking some nice deep breaths. It really sends the message to the nervous system that all is well. You're safe. And then blood starts flowing to the prefrontal cortex. And we can use our thinking mind to deal with the situation at hand. Yeah, and it all, it all starts with the breath. It's such powerful medicine, literally, and science proves this as well. We can influence the 
release of pleasurable biochemicals, of biochemicals that make us feel good, pain-relieving biochemicals, biochemicals that make us feel connected to one another through the breath. I know that that's a great parenting tool to be able to tell and teach our kids so when they're feeling that stress and so forth to really be able to take that pause and take their breath. And I know when I used to do massage, I would take a deep breath to cue clients to also take a deep breath. So yeah. I know for me sometimes when I'm with somebody, I'll take a deep breath myself and in some way I'm trying to cue them to take a breath instead of, you know, it doesn't work at all. It's really shitty, you know, when your, your partner is all stressed out and you say, honey, you know what, you need to take a breath right now. You need to take a breath. For me, sometimes what I do is I just go, when I'm in that to help me, but also it's a cue for the other person to give them permission to take that breath. That's right. That's right. You're talking about regulating your own nervous system when you're with somebody else that that might be dysregulated. I mean, I'm using kind of somatic buzzwords here, so jargony words. So regulation of the nervous system versus dysregulation of the nervous system. So if you're the one that's feeling super regulated and grounded and not stressed out, taking that deep breath can definitely be a cue for for the other person. I love that. You know, we're talking about this, people, because a lot of times when I'm with clients and we talk about how much stress, I don't think it works when I'm trying to help them rationalize the things that they need to check off their list or things that they can't do. Because I hear they say, I don't have any time to do these things or there's no way I can't do this. I have to do all these things. So instead of arguing with people getting shit off their plate, it's an aspect of, okay, you're going to have this level of activity. You're going to have this level of responsibility. You know, you have to assess it. You have to be able to really take care of yourself and say no. But if you're choosing this level, that's bringing a high level of stress. These are the things that you can really do in these moments to take care of yourself and therefore take care of your family and take care of your relationship. And what you're talking about is using the body as a container to hold the activation of stress, to hold the energy of stress. Because if I don't have any skills or tools uh, or even awareness that my body holds the stress, it's in my musculature, it's in the tension. If I don't have awareness of that, then there's not going to be any skillful or clever way to, to work with the stress. But if I'm aware of that, I can have five or six different tools of what to do. You know, the most powerful one of taking several deep breaths. Then what I'm actually doing is using my awareness and my understanding of the body of how to regulate stress to increase my body as a container to hold the stress. There's always going to be anxiety. There's always going to be stressful things. And it's how we deal with those things and what tools we can use in the present moment to be able to work with that energy of stress. The fast heartbeat, the streaming of energy, or the locked up muscles. Because that's the truth. You know, when I say to myself, if I'm feeling fear or thinking that I'm feeling stressed, but that's a label. If I get out of the label and start feeling my heartbeat, ah, my heart's racing, my hands are getting kind of clammy right now. That is now the microscopic truth. And when I focus on that, the label goes away. I'm not caught in the label. I can regulate that. I can regulate my body. It's really difficult for me to all of a sudden change the label of fear or anxiety. Yeah, what you're talking about is exactly why I got into this whole field of the healing arts. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I was in my mid to late 20s. I had come back from a trip 
I had rented out my apartment that I owned in Chelsea in Manhattan and I was making like double of what my mortgage payments were. So man, I had it sweet for like two years. I would just travel all over the world living in countries like uh, Bahia, Brazil, Bali, Thailand, spent a little bit of time in Malaysia. And during the in-between of one of those trips, I had my place rented out. I was living with my parents in Brooklyn. I had a relationship that went south really, really fast. She wound up breaking up with me and cheating on me really, really bad. And I found out in just terrible way. So I became sort of depressed and it was almost as if I was in quicksand. I was not wanting to get up in the morning. I was feeling hopeless, like my life had no meaning. And it was like as if the gas pedal was on and the brake was on at the same time inside my body. So I remember one morning I wake up and I'm feeling this sense of, of depression, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, you know, let me just try something different here. And I just started breathing into my belly, literally just sending the breath right to my belly. And within the fifth breath, I had to pop up out of bed and call my friend who also just got dumped. And he it was a high school buddy of mine and he lived right around the block from me. And I just said, hey man, I got to go run. Would you come running with me? He was like, yeah, sure. So we went and I just ran off the energy. And for the rest of the summer, all we did, me and his buddy just worked out all summer long. And it was this nuclear explosion from the inside out. And it was all based on a sense of presence and breath and awareness and body awareness. Hmm. And that's what led me to the Esalen Institute. That's what led me to massage and body work. That's what led me to somatic psychology because I really needed to figure out how I was able to beat that clinical depression and anxiety, how I was able to beat it and transform it and flip it into pure energy. And it was through the breath. And then I started learning about all these concepts. And then I started learning that these concepts have been around for thousands of years. Mm. And I mean, it just, just rocked my world. And every time I, I learn something new that I figured out on my own, is re it's just super exciting to me. It's, I just love the work that I do. And you do it so well. Thanks, man. I, I love your work that you do. And even how you utilize the breath in many aspects of your life. I mean, shit, you're a didgeridoo player, right? So you're constantly really having to really focus on the breath. And I still can't fucking do the, the circular breathing. So, you know, you just that aspect of that a lot of things that you do is focus on the, on the breath. That's right. What came to me when you were talking is, I'm sure that you, you have people say this constantly, but one thing that I hear constantly is, I'm stressed. I'm so stressed. People are constantly reinforcing that. I'm so stressed. Coming from Detroit, in some way, that's a badge of honor. If you're not stressed, you, you're not doing your work. You know, you're not working hard. You got to work hard. So I think people hold that as a badge also. And to let go of stress, even though that's something that they really want to, there's a paradox there. Two things come to mind. One is that people think that a lot of people think that self-care is a luxury, mm. right? So I'm in the business of delivering an opportunity where people can utilize self-care. And that's what Still Point Wellness is all about. The spa is all about the float tank, massages. It's all about awareness and self-care. 
Now, here's the thing. It could be a luxury for some people, but really I see it as a necessity. Just like, you know, we need to eat, just like we need to change the oil in our car. We need to utilize self-care. It doesn't have to be a massage or a float. It could be anything, but self-care in general, something that fills your cup is so important and it's not a luxury and there's no need to be a martyr. If you, you know, for parents out there, we need self-care so that we could fill our cup and then we can give to our children. Partners in relationship, we need self-care so that we can give to our partner. I really learned that lesson a lot through my wife, Robin. I mean, she is the epitome of uh, of women art, aren't they? (laughs) Women, you know, it's interesting. Women really know how to take care of themselves. And at the same time, sometimes women are, I don't want to say are martyrs, but they don't, they're such nurturers, but at times they don't nurture themselves. They need this reminder and permission to nurture themselves. And so that's a great thing that you can do in relationship is really encourage each other and really support each other, not be jealous and be competitive about if the other person is taking care of themselves or not. I had a big switch when my wife started taking care of herself a lot and I was seeing that I wasn't, I had some resentment, but I had to own it and like, well shit, she's getting massages, I'm not scheduling them. It's not that I should have resentment to her, I should also be inspired, actually thank her for taking care of herself so she could put up with my stress differently. That's right. Yeah the intergenerational piece of that, what we learn from our parents. Mm. I feel like our nervous systems get hardwired based on what we see and what we're around in our family of origin. So it's almost like that's locked in our in our DNA at times. That's right. Ancestral. That's right. And without awareness and without doing the work, quote, the work, end quote, mm. any kind of self-awareness work, then it becomes really hard to break out of those patterns that have been set up for us. And we're biologically adapted as human beings for our survival to watch our parents and to learn implicitly and explicitly. So we learn what we see them do and we learn things, belief systems, actions, behaviors, right? Like how clean do you keep your house for a lot of folks? It's very much like how their parents kept their house, like what actually feels Conflict. good. Yeah. They see the model of it. How we deal with stress also. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why addiction, you know, they say addiction, I don't know if they say it's genetic, but it's environmental in that if I grow up in a household with an addict, then I'm more likely to become an addict. And part of that is because that's how an addict deals with stress and anxiety. Is from the external substance. So then me as a child, if that's if that's what's modeled for me, then I'm more likely to then choose that going forward. So a transformational generation would be families that now do the opposite, that they actually really learn how to take care of themselves so that they pass that on and they model that. I'm feeling that that's happening in my family. My son really knows how to take care of himself at times. And he grew up in an environment because my wife was so good at that and I started learning it, and I'm hoping and probably seeing that he's going to be passing that on more in his offspring and so forth. That's right. And when I'm really stressed out at home, if I am not regulating that stress, it comes through to my children. Mm. It's in my body language. It's in my posture. It's in how quick I might be with them, 
how closed I might be. And even when we don't express it, I love this analogy that somebody told me that let's just say that you and your spouse are like these two big hot water tanks and then you're connected on the bottom through a little pipe and then your children are these smaller hot water tanks that are connected through a pipe. So when we suppress our energy and our stress and our anger and we push that down, it automatically goes over to the kids and they actually express the unexpressed emotions of anger and the suppression. So that's something to really contemplate of how even the avoidance of expression the kids pick up and they and they act out and whether it's substance abuse or behavioral things or lack of of social interactions that's healthy wow people that was a a a very distinct visual you're gonna give me that that was a good one wasn't it that's yours man okay that's yours you can use that though if you want i'll give you cred okay But I want you to tell your story about uh, what you told me the other day about assertiveness because that to me also is an aspect of being able to utilize what goes on between conversation and needs and desires of partners, how to utilize it to recognize how we can distress ourselves and therefore the relationship. Oh man, this is crazy how this happened. This is unbelievable. I was so excited for like a week. <laughs> yeah, you were. I was so excited. I'm still really excited. I have a little post-it note on my on my shelf and I read it of this insight. I had the insight that there may be a link between indecisiveness and anxiety for me. What I wanted to do was explore that. So in the mornings, I wrote a little note for myself, explore the connection between being decisive and anxiety. So, you know, I wake up with anxiety every single morning, like clockwork. It's no big deal anymore. I've got like, you know, at least seven or eight tools to regulate that energy of anxiety. And by the time I'm out of the shower, pretty much I'm ready for the day and I don't even think about the anxiety. So the other morning, right before the shower, and I'm just thinking, I'm looking at the post-it note, all right, and I just think a little, a little thing. What can I be? De- what can I be decisive with right now? And I just look at my clothes, and I'm like, oh, I could choose what I want to wear right now. And just that simple awareness piece of being aware that I was making a decision took the anxiety, and it just 100% just wiped it out. So you can make a decision and not doubt that decision, or that that what happens when the doubt comes in? You just just the anxiety it. comes right back. Okay. So then it's more about just going with the decision and being okay with the decision. That's right. That's right. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's right. Perfectionism breeds anxiety. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So I go downstairs and and then I see I see Robin and telling her about about my newfound tool to work with anxiety. And there was something that I was decisive about, really decisive. And she looked at me and she gave me this big smile and she was like, oh, sweetie, I find that really sexy when you make decisions like that. And I'll tell you, so many connections just made a lot of sense right there and then. So many. The way she put it, with that little smile. And you're like, you're talking my language, baby. That's exactly what language. I said to her. That's uh-huh. exactly what I said. It was such a beautiful way that we use the self-inquiry process and authentic connection with one another and uh, vulnerability. And she was able to express to me, you know, because really the flip side of that is, look, babe, when you're indecisive, 
I'm not turned on by you. Exactly. It's very unattractive. But she was able to communicate that in a very successful way. And I just looked at her and I can tell her body language when she said that her body language kind of shortened up a little bit and her shoulders kind of went up and she gave me this little kind of smile like, I don't know how you're going to take this. I'm not sure. And I just looked at her with a deadpan face and then this huge smile of appreciation just went up for her and I just went up to her and I gave her a big hug and I was like, thank you so much. What you just said to me made so much sense. I got it. I got it. So you're also making it fun, that aspect of playfulness around your decisions, that knowing that she finds it sexy, she finds it attractive. I'm not saying that you're using that as an ulterior motive to make your decisions, but it really helps in your relationship to to play with that. That's right. She even said to me, look, Corey, I don't care if you get it wrong. Mm. I just want to see you making a decision. Wow. And stick to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the paradox about that, I feel is that I started giving myself permission to be wrong and that was fine. And then it almost just didn't really matter. It didn't matter. If so I even was, the anxiety decreased even when you gave yourself permission to be wrong. Big time. Big time. I like that later on the day after you were telling me that story and you were helping me out, uh, going to pick me up and we were on the phone deciding on what time. You said, well, you know, if I do this route, you know, I run this area, I can do this. What what works for you? I said, hey, man, whatever works for you. You said 530. Now, when I got in the car and I looked at you, I said, hey, man, I just got to tell you, when you made that decision to pick me up at 530, God, were you sexy, baby. You were so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wanted to reinforce that for you. <laughs> It had a little bit of a different effect than when my wife said it to me. But, you know, I love you, man. That's so. right. But, but that's that's you. the beauty of that, how we can support each other in that way. Totally. Yeah. And the one support that I really appreciate is that you've put some aspects of your support towards my podcast. Because everybody knows Still Point sponsors, um, it's part sponsorship for my, for my podcast. And I want people to really know that one of the big reasons is I totally believe in what you've created here as, as you talked about this is a wonderful place for people to come to heal and decrease their stress and their anxiety to get wellness and well-being and awareness so when i go ahead and uh, tout your wonderful spa that you have here i really believe in it and i'm here a lot so that's the beauty of it too like i use it i'm here you've seen it grow since pre-day one right You've been you've been with us every step of the way. Yeah. Yeah. So utilizing an aspect of to I love that still point, right? When you get to that still point within yourself, boy, can you make a lot of better decisions in how you interact with people. Exactly. And it, it just all comes from the inside out. A lot of it is creating that bridge to the subconscious mind so that we can just let our own body's wisdom do the healing for us. Even in our massage, we train our staff that, and this is one of the foundational pieces of Esalen Massage, I'm not doing anything to my clients. What I'm doing is I'm helping to raise awareness in my client's body through my hands so that my clients can start to release and they can start to allow the process to unfold. Mm. Yeah, same thing with the float tank, same thing with everything that we offer. I love that that aspect of, you know, that's a little bit of a differentiation aspect too. Like we don't 
heal somebody. We're the vehicle towards that. We're the conduit of that energy. And I think we have to be cognizant of that. Like when our people that we are in relationships, when they're stressed and they're freaking out, we got to be careful about not doing their work. That's right. Yeah. That's right. There's, there's a sense of empowerment when I can hold space for somebody in their stress and just love them unconditionally in their stress. It's, it's a sense of empowerment that they can figure it out on their own, that they will figure it out on their own. And see, to me, that's the beauty. That's the, not the selfish aspect. If we're taking care of ourselves, like you said, it's not a luxury. If I'm taking care of my own stress levels and my own anxiety, then I have way more capacity to hold that space for other people that I'm in relationship with. So I'm doing my relationship a tremendous service when I'm taking care of my stress so that I can witness them more and not get caught up and let that match just flare up and we're just going back and forth. And now we're just stressed out together. That's right. And you know, it's, it's reflected in popular culture. Like I just came across an article recently that said that millennials are into experiences as gifts rather than things. Hmm. And it's not only millennials, it's actually, it spans the generations. That's like the best gifts nowadays on like the top of the list, the article said experiences that goes right to self-care, you know, rather than some actual thing that might get put in the closet. Yeah. So when you think about buying your partners all these things to bring down their stress level, there's a whole different route that you can go. One of the things, again, is, is the experience that you have with each other of how you're going to be with each other. I always talk about the how. You know, it's a tremendous yeah. gift right. for me to be present and to be able to navigate a stressful situation. You know, even if driving in a car, a lot of people have a lot of stress when they're going on a trip with that, that the packing and the anticipation. Boy, if we can do that more mindfully with more intention and catch it faster, apologize quick, come back in connection. That's a tremendous gift that we're giving each other while we're going to the Christmas holiday to open up all the gifts. Totally. Lately, I've been, I've been trying to really appreciate and love everything that I do. I've been trying. <laughs> <laughs> trying is the key word. You know, you know even when it's um, cleaning, organizing, which I don't like organizing, when it's doing things that most folks don't love to do, I'm trying to do is just flip that and really break it down to its moment by moment parts, good body mechanics, connect with the breath while I'm doing it. I've really been able to increase the quality of my life lately by consciously reminding myself, okay, I'm choosing to do what I'm doing right now. If I don't get it right, you know, if I don't love it, that's fine too. So, you know, what you talk about is so important is to empower people again to think, what can I do in this moment that I already have this stress instead of thinking judgmental thoughts that I shouldn't have the stress, that I'm doing too much, I don't have time to take care of myself. Right in that moment, we can make a choice to take care of ourselves in this simple moment, whether it's taking a breath, whether it's putting a nice pillow on our stomach, whether it's looking outside at a beautiful cloud, taking a deep breath, that's our choice to break that cycle and that habit because in some way stress and anxiety is a habit. We think about it over and over and over. We keep with the contraction in the body over and over. That's right. It goes right back to, I like to think of them as grooves, you know, neural pathways of stress 
the habit of stress is like a groove. It's really hard to get out of that groove. And awareness is key. Okay, I'm feeling stressed out right right now. What's the biomarker for that stress? Oh, my heart's beating really fast. I feel tension in my stomach. Okay, let's stop. Let's pause. Let's look at the cloud. That's that's one of my techniques is just get really present around me. Just look at a color or a shape or an object that I find pleasing to the eye. And just focus on that for just a few breaths. That's one of my go-to techniques. You know, another go-to technique is one that you've really brought to my awareness a lot, which is appreciation. And a lot of times I practice that when I'm in the shower. And that's my number one biggest go-to stress reliever, anxiety buster, is when I'm in the shower and I'm feeling the anxiety of the morning, going through my to-do list, and I just start feeling appreciation for hot water. It always starts with hot water. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, because then those oxytocin and the good effort comes in, the cortisol levels go down. So it's just physically feeling appreciation is that key. And boy, when I'm working with couples, they don't they don't realize they think it's so simplistic. And instead, it can be simple, but it's not simplistic. It's so profound to have an amount of appreciation in your life that totally combats stress and anxiety. I know for me, that's my number one go-to in my relationship when we're feeling stressed. My wife and I, if we're kind of feeling stressed with each other, we call it biting back and forth. We look at each other and say, when was the last time we had a heart share, an appreciation heart share? And we'll do it. We'll schedule it right after to get back to reverse that momentum that stress can take over. I'm wondering, do you use a different word? Do you think that there's different words to deprogram ourselves? Besides stressed, contraction, I don't, I don't know, do you ever use different words than stress? Stress and anxiety are the words that I use, but sometimes what I'll do is I'll put the words aside and then just go right to the body and mm. just feel tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, mental tension. Mm. Sometimes that's what I'll do. I'll just tell myself, oh, I'm experiencing mental tension right now. Because mm-hmm. I have this connotation when I think of I'm stressed, I feel guilty or some shame, like, damn. I shouldn't feel stressed. That's it's not good to feel stress, and so automatically I'm that putting sounds a layer. That's exactly. That's another layer on that. Yeah, that makes me think of um, one of my favorite things that I learned in my master's program in clinical psychology was what Carl Rogers said, which was as soon as I accept myself for exactly how I am, that's when things can start to change. Hmm. Or as soon as I, I accept things as they are, that's when they'll start to change. He calls that the curious paradox. Mm. Oh, that. And then, ah, and then that. Yeah. That curiosity. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So when I'm stressed out, you know, accepting the stress rather than resenting it or trying to push it away is another technique that sometimes I'll use. And that's when I'll bring in the breath and feel the stress in my body and then just send the breath right to that stress. Not as a way to like, okay, I'm going to kick it out of my body more as a way to welcome it. Yeah. And then more often than not, it'll, it'll start moving. Sometimes it's like a closed flower in my belly. And then when I send breath to it, it starts to open and then it's actually a pleasurable sense of streaming energy. I hope that people are really getting this. The reason why we're doing this podcast is to, to really understand that one of the best things that you can do in your life when you have anxiety and stress in your relationship is to take care of your own stress, is to really be able to be aware of it, to 
have self-care because if you do that, you're taking care of your relationship. You don't have to solve your relationship issues. You can really bring a different sense of self to those relationship issues. You don't have to bring the stressful energy to trying to solve that. That's right. That's right. Well, man, thanks for this wrap. And we're actually doing it here at Still Point. That's right. So, you know, I know I'm going to be floating later on. And and uh, I love talking about the floating because that's one area that has helped me in so many ways to just be able to feel supported, you know, floating. My experience of not being able to float in my life, I didn't float in pools or I wasn't a good swimmer. So the first time I floated, just a feeling of total no efforting automatically decreased my stress. And when my body was so relaxed in the tank for the first time, I tried to think of stressful thoughts and my body wouldn't let them in. And that's how I got hooked. I got hooked on wanting to float more because of that realization. Sounds like you really started to realize the connection between stressful thoughts and tension in your body. And your body was just so supported by the thousand pounds of Epsom salt that you found it easy to not let the thoughts take you to that stressful place. So whatever you can do, people, to get out of the habitual aspects of holding stress inside your body will benefit your relationships greatly. That's right. Mm -hmm. Thanks, brother. Enjoy this. Ah, this is great, Prepo. We'll do it again. Peace. All right. Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed professional counselor Prepo Toplitsky, visit HeartShareCounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk at AdiTheMonk.com. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by PodCraft. Create your own great podcast today, faster and easier at podcraft.us.